This is us, but we are more than just a church building or a movie theater. We have a desire to be a place where people can experience the love of Jesus, a place where people can grow in their relationship with God, and a place for people to find their purpose in Christ. We are a church that's about family, building relationships, and raising up leaders to change our community and our world. We want to make Jesus known and to give all the glory to God. This is us. Welcome home. Hey church, Pastor JC here, and today I'm actually in Clearwater, Florida, spending some quality time with my mom. Many of you, you've already heard, but two weeks ago she had major neck surgery and, and now she's on the road to recovery. So as you know, you only got one mama, so I brought my wife and kids with me to spend some quality time with her. I did wanna let you know that I'm gonna be back next Sunday and we'll be kicking off a brand new four-week series on the book of Philippians. And I really believe that you're gonna love this series as we take four Sundays to study the four chapters within this incredible book. And every week, you and I, we're gonna leave with some biblical truth that will change our life forever. It's gonna be awesome and I don't want you to miss it. Now today, you get to hear a message from your very own campus pastor. And I'm so proud of these incredible men of God. They not only lead the day-to-day -day operations at their campus, but they are also very gifted communicators of the gospel. So do me a favor, both campuses, stand on your feet, and let's show some love to your campus pastor as they come to speak today. Come on and give it up for them. Come on, come on. Are you glad to be in the house today? Amen, amen. Hey, I want to read from a really familiar story today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read about David and Goliath. This is one of my absolute favorites. And so 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to pick up in verse 17. We're going to read 17 through 23. It says, Then Jesse said to David his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp of your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of the thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. Verse 19 says, For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out into battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in a battle array, army against army, and then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. And then he ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. So let me stop right there. Two things are happening right now. So for the last 40 days, both armies have met on hilltop, across from hilltop, and this giant of a man, this Goliath, this formidable warrior who had never been beaten, is coming out every day. And even though the men are standing in line and they're in their war cry and they're in formation, he's shouting at them, demeaning them, just coming at them constantly, and they're standing in fear, they're running in fear. The Bible actually says as the, as 
as he starts to shout at them, they run in fear at his size and the strength of this man. And so for 40 days, this goes on over and over again. And then you have a totally different story going on. And David, who's just this young shepherd boy, he had just been anointed king. His father sends him to bring a lunch bowl to his brothers straight up on the battlefield. He rolls up there and he sees this giant shouting back and forth. And David, he's just had enough. In fact, he doesn't understand why no one stepped up yet. And so he steps up, he goes straight into Saul's tent, and he says, put me in the battle, I want to fight, and that's where we're going to pick up right here. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Verse 33, then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth. And while he has been a warrior from his youth, but David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock. I went after him and attacked him and rescued him from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and I struck him and I killed him. Verse 36 says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. you got to love this young boy's just fire. He's just full of fire and courage. And verse 37 says, and David said to Saul, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. And we're going to skip down to verses 48 and 49. 49 it says, and David put his hand in the bag and took from it a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. I want to preach on this thought today. Do you have faith instead of fear? Do you have faith over fear, in moments where fear is prevalent, in moments where you have every reason to be scared, are you leaning into the arms of faith? Are you leaning into the promises of God? Or are you like the Israelites? Are you running in fear? You know, I'm not going to lie. This has to be one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. In fact, this chapter in my Bible, there's so many notes I've written. How many of you write all in your Bible? Like the Lord just dropped stuff in me. I got to get it down. I know I'm not going to lose this, but I will lose my phone. And so I write this down on here and just so much, so many things are happening in the story, very first thing you see is you see this, this courageous spirit of David in a young boy just all of a sudden show itself. Until now, what we know about David is he is handsome, he loves the Lord, he plays the harp, and he tends sheep, and he's the youngest in his tribe. But yet the Lord anoints him to be king, and then all of a sudden in this moment you find that David is full of courage. He has this heart of a warrior that no one else seems to have. In the moment when all the adults were scared, the kid is fearless and he's standing in line. And then you have this other simultaneous downfall of the king of Saul happening. And then last, I think you see this story, really this, this, this moment in scripture sets in place David's destiny. It's this moment that David begins to walk in the calling of God. He begins to walk out what God knew he placed in his spirit. And so whether you realize it or not, you are a lot like David. You are facing a giant every day. 
You're facing Goliaths day in and day out. There are these moments where this giant of temptation is in front of you, or you're fighting the giant of depression, or you're fighting, like me, the giant of maybe a bad attitude. Come on, somebody. How many of you use traffic will turn you sour in a minute? Right there. You Ask Austin. He's ridden with me enough. He knows that I, it, I'll lose it. I'll lose it quick. i got to grab it back, Lord. And uh, man, every day you're faced with a Goliath. Whether you realize it or not, whether you've pinpointed it or not, every day each one of us faces a temptation. Some of us are facing the same temptation for years. We're like the army. We've watched him for 40 days and 40 nights. He's just stood in front of us, shouting at us, telling what we do wrong and how we won't win. But today I want to look at this passage of Scripture and pull out four observations about faith and fear. And the very first one is this, that being obedient now will lead to your destiny later. Being obedient now will lead to your destiny later. You know, I got out of uh, community college. I decided to jump into my calling for the Lord and I transferred to Lee University. And like every college student, uh, I, was shoot, I was wanting to know what the bare minimum was, and that's, that's where I was going to land, right? D's get degrees. And um, that's where... <laughs> That's where I, I was. I'm going to be real honest with you. That's where I was. I felt a little unqualified to be where I was, but I remember the very first semester I'm filling out my classes and the guy filling out the classes was like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're like a couple credits short. How about you take a class on a book of the Bible? And he said, I've got the best class for you. You'll love it. It's going to be Deuteronomy. And if you've ever read Deuteronomy, it's the book of the law. It's thrilling. And that's sarcasm. It's thrilling, you know. It, it was riveting. And I took it at 3.30 in the afternoon, from 3.30 to 5.30, which is like the ultimate nap time, you know. Sun's going down. I am not lying to you. I had the hardest time. I literally had a D in that class the last week of school. And I was just like, Lord, I felt like a kid who was going to have to call his dad. My dad was going to ask me how I did. And as a 22-year-old man, I was going to have to share my report card. And... uh I remember sitting in front of the, um, the professor and he was like, you know what? You're the only person who's always on time and you're the only person who's never missed a class. That's a part of my, some would say personality flaw, but I'm early like all the time, like 40 minutes early. And um, I, I got here at 5.30 this morning. That's how early I was. Like, <laughs> doesn't start till 9, 5.30 a.m. I was in my office, but he said, you've done so well, I'm going to give you a 100 test grade and just throw that into your average and how many you know favor ain't fair and that d went to a c come on somebody right but i was committed to showing up every day and following the instructions you know david points out a truth to us and that's this it will not be your talents. It will not be your gifting that gets you to your destiny. It will be your willingness to serve the Father in any capacity. In any capacity. David was sent on this mission to serve lunch. So in like the middle of being Uber Eats, he walks into his destination. He walks into this moment with Goliath and he stands face to face with his future. And he knows he's going to win. David, he was never sent to fight he was sent to serve. And many of us, we want to fight when the Lord's trying to say you should serve. You should start there first. Never underestimate the power of serving. Never underestimate the door that serving will unlock for you and for your future. 
Because God is an orchestrator of all things. And if he's calling you to step into a season where you're serving in a certain department, it's because your ministry is there. Everyone, you read the story, right? And we, we focus on all the stones that he put in the bag, but it was not this bag of stones that brought David to the battlefield. It was a bag of grain. It was this lunch, this serving that brought him to this moment of blessing. But it's hard for us to comprehend that because everyone wants to kill Goliath, but no one wants to serve lunch, right? <laughs> everyone wants a solo, but no one wants to sing back up. Well... Everyone, everyone, everyone wants to give correction, but no, don't, don't receive correction. We don't do that real well. And then everyone wants to be in control, but no one wants, no one wants to be controlled because submission is such a terrible word in our society. But can I tell you what? Greatness, greatness in God's kingdom comes through the process of submission, it comes through saying yes to the father who's calling you above what your earthly father has called you to do. David, remember, he could have said no, right? He just was anointed king in front of his family. Like if I was that kid, I'd be looking at dad every five minutes and be like, I don't think kings do that work, dad. I don't think kings take the trash out. I don't think kings feed the dog, dad. Like I would milk that thing for all that it's got. But David, what does he do? He does not say no to the ask of his father. He says, yes. He says, yes. Yes, I'll deliver it. Yes, I will willingly go. David willingly serves. And what's crazy to think about is this. Is David would have never had his moment in front of Goliath if he would have passed on that opportunity to bring lunch to his brothers. Please don't discount the power of serving. There's a reason why we ask you to go through move track. There's a reason why we push you to serve. It's not because we want something from you and we need you to fill a spot. It's because we want something for you. We know that if you will serve God, he will not only bless your time, but he'll bless your finances. He'll bless your house. He'll bless your health. He will bless your soul in ways that you, it can only be unlocked through serving. Jesus himself shows us this when he washes the disciples' feet, when he cares for the needs of the people, when he feeds people lunch, but he didn't have to. Like, he, he shows this to us. And we are not, we're not, we're not uh, you know, uh, allowed to just skip out on that chapter of Christianity. You know, as a young leader, it was really difficult and hard for me to serve behind the scenes, if I'm going to be honest. It was really hard for me to serve behind the scenes where nobody saw it. It was as if church and culture and our, and our culture and our society was screaming to me that unless you had a microphone in your hand and you were on a stage, then you did not have significance in the kingdom and you did not have significance in the world. And that's the number one lie I feel like the enemies puts in our mind when we serve, right? Immaturity in me would not let me see this one reality that scripture says that if I'm faithful in the small things he'll make me ruler over what many many but it starts with the small God doesn't say if you're faithful over the many things if you're faithful in the small things in these moments if you're faithful to show up and, and be an usher if you're faithful to be in security if you're faithful to check kids in it's those moments that God will bless and pour out on your life but there's part of serving in those areas where you feel this, this anonymity, where you feel like if, if no one hears me, if no one knows who I am, am I really making a difference back here checking a child in? 
Let me ask you this. Can God trust you with anonymity? Can God trust you that if the crowd never calls your name and you never get the microphone and the spotlight's never on you, that you will faithfully serve beyond all other issues? Can God trust that you'll serve him when you don't have the crowd cheering for you? Because it's really easy to serve when you're surrounded by cheerleaders. It's hard to serve when you're surrounded by leaders because leaders push you. Leaders invest in you. They, they want to they help you get where you want to. Cheerleaders just want to say yes. And if you're looking for a yes man, this is, this is not really going to be the place that's going to work out that well for you. Because we want the best for you. And sometimes the best thing that you can hear is no, you're not ready. Sometimes it's no, you need just a little bit more time. You need just a little bit more investment. If I would have walked in this calling that I'm walking in now at 18, I would have stepped into this premature promise. And one thing I know about this promise now, if I'd have jumped in it prematurely, it would have destroyed me. That's the truth. I wasn't ready. But that's so hard to hear. But David understood that if he would serve his father's wishes, if he'd bring this bag of cheese and a bag of grain to a bunch of hungry people, then God would undoubtedly bless him the same way he already blessed him before. David understands this. He has confidence in this, which brings me to my second point. There is a warrior in the heart of everyone. There's a warrior in the heart of everyone. In fact, David is the very definition of confidence in this moment. He not only has confidence when he sees Goliath, when he's out there shouting, he has full confidence on the battlefield. In fact, the Bible says as Goliath started towards him, David was like, I'm not going to wait on you. I'm going to run at you. David runs at him. When everyone's running from him, he runs at him. He's like, I'm not scared. You know, if I'm going to be honest with you, there's been some times in my life where I've started with great confidence, but I, uh, didn't quite finish with great confidence. One of those would be the first time I jumped off a diving board. Anybody remember that? Like traumatic experience of peer pressure. I remember the Shenandoah pool. And, you know, when you're like eight years old, everyone's like, you won't do it. No, you do it. No, -uh, you won't do it. It's like this 40 minute long. No, -uh. like no, -uh is not even a word. Like, no, -uh. and uh, finally, one of you gets the guts and climbs up on the diving board. And that was me. And I remember I had great confidence on the board till I got to the end of the board because it's in the end of the board that it requires action but there's no amount of fear that peer pressure can't conquer baby and as they were cheering me on I jumped flopped painful experience definitely took swim lessons after that it was traumatic but I won and uh but David is not like me in that moment David is fearless from start to finish he comes onto the battlefield with confidence. He attacks Goliath with confidence. In fact, he picks up Goliath's swords, cut off Goliath's head, and holds it up after. Like, he has this major level of confidence. He, and I know what some of you skeptics are thinking. You're thinking, this is just a reckless teenager, right? As a teenager, you'd do anything. So he's just a reckless teenager. But David, David understood how to have confidence during the uncomfortable he understood that in uncomfortable moments, it is confidence that holds you key. And some of us have become confident in comfortability. We've become confident with sitting on the bench and watching everyone else hit home runs for kingdom. We're confident in not doing a whole lot because I, I think many of us have forgotten what it's like to be in a dangerous situation. 
in a moment where you took a risk, in a moment where you stepped out in your faith, in a moment you said yes to the thing you've put on the back burner for 10 years for the Lord. Many of us have forgotten those things, but David has the will. He has the will, the will to win. In fact, he says the statements, the Lord will or I will, all throughout the scripture, he says, the Lord will rescue me from the hand. The Lord will stand for me. I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give your carcass to the enemy. The world will know. They will know it's the Lord who saves. And then he ends it with, he will give you into my hand. When was the last time that you looked at the giant you're facing and said, you might be loud. You might be big. But you know what? You ain't running to me yet. Come on. Where's my people with a little bit of confidence? Like, you might be loud. You know, you might be dominating the battlefield now, but I just haven't stepped on it yet. I just haven't got my sling out yet. That's why. So you have your moment. You do your thing. Don't worry. I'm going to walk out there, honey. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to handle it. How long will you let your Goliath dominate the battlefield of your life? The Bible says that Goliath was a champion. It wasn't just a winner. He was a champion. Like, I've won a couple things, but a champion is, like, undefeated. A champion has a history of beating people. This dude, this is not his first rodeo, okay? He'd been, he'd been killing folk for a long time, and he stands on the battlefield with his confidence because he knows that he can beat anyone, has a history of destroying people. But you know what? What you're facing May have a history of destroying people, but it has not run across the warrior and you yet. And when Goliath reminds you he's a champion, when the giant of depression, it may have conquered your mama, but it ain't run into you yet. The giant of alcohol might have beaten your brother and taken out your daddy, but it ain't met you yet. The giant of pride may be rising up in your life, but it hasn't met the warrior and you yet. Is there anybody in here who's slayed a giant or two? Where are my seasoned saints that have come through a few things that aren't scared to tell what the Lord has done for them? The next generation needs to hear what God's done in your life. Do not take that to the grave. Do not take that home and just lock that away in the closet. God has anointed you. You beat that giant because somebody needs to hear that they can beat their giant. When Goliath reminds you of his winning record, remind him that you're not just some underdog, but you are walking into battle with Jehovah Jireh, the provider. You're walking into the battle with the king of kings, not just a king. You're walking into the battle with the power of God and the power of the Lord. If you're thankful for the power of God, let him know today. What I love about David is he has the confidence in what God will do through him. And that came from the confidence of what God already did through him. Look at verse 34 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him. This is a child. I went out after him, attacked him, and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and I struck him. And ca- How'd you like to be the lion get beat up and killed by a little kid? Seized him by his beard, struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Since he has taunted the armies of the living God. That brings me to my third observation and that's this. The confidence to face your giant now comes from his provision in the past. 
comes from his provision in the past. Listen, I've made a lot of mistakes, but you know what? The Lord nailed them to a tree a long time ago, but a lot of times the past, it, it, it calls back to my life and reminds me of the failures. It, it ring-rings my mind. It ring-rings my phone. It, it reminds me of all the things I did wrong back then. And it's easy for me to forget all the things that God did right to make that right. It's easy for me to forget all the times God stepped in. And sometimes when the past calls, you got to send it to voicemail and remind yourself of all the things that God did for you, all the times that God stepped on the battlefield for you. And hear me out. David, he had he had the practice that he had with the lion and the bear. That literally gave him accuracy. It gave him accuracy to kill Goliath. The first time he slung that sling, that was not the first time, okay? When he slung that at Goliath, that wasn't his first rodeo either. Goliath might have killed a few people. David's killed a few animals, some big ones. He practiced with that thing. That wasn't his first rodeo. And I know, I know you may be facing a Goliath right now. I know you may be in a fight, have you thought about this, that maybe the fight that you're fighting now is the lion and it is the bear and it's prepping you for the calling of God on your life? That unless you defeat this thing now, it'll defeat you later. Preparing your way for the moment, for this season, where you will do exactly what God destined you to be. If you are alive and breathing, then God has a calling on your life. He's not done. He's not done with you yet. He wants you to step into what he has for you. And many of us, many of us, God has called us to do great things and we've just put it on the back burner. We've given him every excuse. And a lot of times I've given the Lord excuse about my availability, but he knew my availability when he called me. He knew what I, what I had going on. You know, it's real easy to suffer from what I think is like spiritual amnesia, where we unwillingly forget all the things that God did for me back in the day. Like, it, it, you don't mean to. It just, we're human, okay? It just happens. We forget about all the times. It's really easy to remember the painful times, but the times where the Lord stepped in, those are the things we have a hard time remembering. Don't discount what you've been through because it's what you went through then that's making a way for you to get through what you're going through now. And what you're going through now is going to make a way for you to get through what you're going to go through later. And all these things are part of God's plan, part of his design for your life. Please don't discount the moments that God rescued you. May I never forget where I was when he found me. May I never forget the lifestyle that I was in, that God rebuked the devourer long enough from my life for me to make an intelligent decision and say yes to his calling and yes to what he has for me in my life. What do you do in your Goliath moment? You look at Goliath in the face and you remind him, hey, you know what? God never left me when it was a lion. Come on. And he never left me when it was a bear. And guess what? He's not going to leave me in this moment either. And I'm about to stand on all the victory I've walked in before. I'm not scared of you. You can say all you want. You can bark at me all you want. But I'm about to muzzle you up. When was the last time you walked into a situation with some courage like that? When was the last time you awoken the warrior spirit inside of you? There's been times. Hear me out. There have been times where I could not allow my reality 
to be dictated by the fear that I felt. There were times where my reality could not be my outcome and I had to cry out in faith to God. I had to, I had to call him faithful when he wasn't faithful. I had to call him worthy when I didn't feel like it. I had to stand in and come into a church and I had to praise my way out of a situation because I knew that what I was feeling in that season wasn't the end of the story. I knew that there was still chapters left to be written. I had to call him faithful because here's what I found out. That the same fire, the same God, the same message, the same anointing, the same Holy Ghost that brought my daddy through, it brought my grandmama through, it's going to bring me through too. I'm standing on people who have warred before, who have won before, men and women of faith. Hear me out. I was far from the Lord, but two people would not stop praying over me. One was my grandma. Grandma's never stopped praying for your grandsons and your granddaughters. And my father was the other one. And at first service, my father was here. He was in town visiting. He went back to North Carolina. But I'll never forget that prayer. He'd be, I'll come in the house, hammered drunk. He'd be just in the room calling my name. There's nothing worse than having a hangover. And your daddy just calling your name. Lord, you promised to make my sons preachers of your word. I'm going to stand on it. They don't look like it now, but I'm going to stand on it now. I'm gonna, he just cleaning me up. Because here's what I know about spiritual amnesia. Spiritual amnesia will leave you standing amongst the cowardly crowd instead of standing firm on the provision of God's past. And what he did in you back then, he's going to do in you now. We, it's funny the words that we sing when we sing those songs as kids. Jesus loves me, this I know. But we used to sing this song, he's still working on me. It took us a week to make the sun in the mood and all that stuff. I forgot. Only thing I remember is Father Abraham. That'll never get out of your head. <laughs> but it's those words that we teach our children, but yet somewhere along the line as adults, we've walked away from the very principles that God's trying to place in our heart. Because it is foundational that if you'll stand upon the rock, you will win. You will beat what you're facing. Your adversary is a roaring lion, but he ain't the king of kings. Fourth observation is this. Avoiding your Goliath is avoiding your destiny. We want to try and forget painful memories of the Goliaths in our past. Even if we persevered and won, it's as if reliving that is just too... It's just too much. In fact, I've met many people who've come out of some wild stuff, but it's like you know them for 20 years, and then they just let you know about that chapter of their life. It's as if we're ashamed of all of those things. But it was Goliath that drew the king out of David. It was this moment. David might have been anointed, but David didn't have, David didn't have this, this position. Of, he didn't have a platform. And David would have been in the field still serving until God orchestrated something else. But God put him front center in a moment where he had to face Goliath, where he had to stand firm. And it was in that moment that moved David from the field into the palace. This battle, it was a blessing. It was a blessing because David chose to run towards the giant with courage instead of standing with fear and everybody else. And because he separated himself from the crowd of those who did not have faith, he persevered and God elevated him to a position of authority. Here's what I know about fear is this. 
If you cannot contain your fear, your fear will contain you. If you cannot contain your fear, fear will kick you right out of your destiny. Fear will kick you. I wonder how many people in the room, God's called you to do something incredible for his kingdom. He's called you to do something so simple and so small, but yet you've talked him out of it every time. You've looked at God and said, I just, you like, like the I Quit series. I loved it when he talked about excuses and Moses like literally giving him, every, I'm surprised Moses, was, Moses wasn't like, it's gonna rain, man, I can't walk. Like he went through every, like every excuse under the book and I'm going to be honest with you, I did that for many years. God, you can't use damaged goods like me. God, you can't use somebody who can't grab a microphone and stand in front of people. Like, I wanted to be a jokester, but be serious in front of people. That, was, that made me nervous, right? God, you can't, use, you can't use somebody who grew up like I did without a whole lot. You, can't, you need somebody who's got some money that can pay for some TV time or something. But I, what I love about the Lord, and I'm closing with this, is that he still put Goliath in front of David, and he's still putting Goliath in front of you because he wants you to know that if you'll beat him, you'll be the key to freedom for someone else because there's Goliaths that you have beat that I haven't, and there's ones that I've beaten and you haven't, and that's why we push groups here. Is because when you get into a community of people who have done life and, and been through some things in life, when you face those same things, they can look at you with full confidence that the Lord's going to step in because sometimes you need a hand up. Anybody, anybody in there? Like sometimes you need somebody to back you up. There's been enemies assigned to stop what God is doing in your life. I don't know if you know that or not. There's been enemies assigned to take you out to take your children out, to break up your home, to break your car down on the way to church. Like, there's, there's, there's demonic potholes out there stopping you from getting, like there's so many things attacking you. And what I know about the enemy, he does, he might be sly, he might be tricky, but he does not waste his time. And he attacks things of promise and of value. And maybe the reason why you're facing Goliath is because there is a king in you. Because there is a queen in you. Because there is someone, there is a leader, a fearless leader. Maybe there's a church in you. Maybe there's a nonprofit in you. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's like this, this anointed matriarch who's going to take her whole family to heaven with her, just going to lead them all to Christ. Maybe that's locked inside of you, but you're standing in a place of fear and you're allowing fear to control you. So many things have been assigned to take you out and all week you might have fought it at home and you might have fought it in the workplace. You might have fought it in traffic, but not only are you here in this house, but the Lord's here. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I know you may not feel like, like you've got it together, but you're here in a sane mind and a body that's functioning. And you're here because you chose to accept the promise of this word called faith instead of leaning in to this reality, which is called fear. And you said in a moment that above all else, I'm going to be in God's house. And can I tell you what? God knew that. 
And I believe that's why he's speaking on this one thing today. I could have preached. Pastor said you can preach on anything, but I just, I was like, David and Goliath, everybody knows that story. You know, give me something that I can't hardly pronounce, like somebody's name. You know, like, you look at through like obscure things in scripture to sound like you're a great preacher. That's reality. But the Lord put this on my heart. Why? Because there's someone whose heart needs to hear this. You know, you're not the first to face Goliath. In fact, you're sitting in a room full of giant slayers. You're sitting in a room full of seasoned saints. There's a prayer team that's going to line this front. And tell, let me tell you what, they fought some battles and they know you can win them too. And that's why they make themselves available every week for you to come and pray. You're in a church family of giant slayers who have looked the enemy in the eye and said, you will not win. You will not have my life. You will not have my children. You will not have my finances and you will not have my family. You will not have all these things you seek to lay claim to. I want to read this. Check this out. This is incredible. Verse 49. And David put his hand into his bag. And took from it a stone. He slung it and he struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Now, I, I am not a physicist. In fact, I barely survived college science, if I'm going to be honest with you. But I do know this, that if you're, if you're facing this one direction and an object's coming at you so fast that it sinks into the bone of your skull, then you would not fall forwards. You would fall backwards. But my word, it says that the giant fell on his face. <laughs> he fell on his face before a boy who was so full of courage. Can't the giant might be big. He might be bold. He might be out to kill you, but the giant will fall on his face before you and the God who walks with you, who's never walked away from you because next to you is Jehovah. Next to you is Jesus. Next to you is the anointing that you've been trying to run from, but God is here and his enemies will fall flat on his face. That's the God that's in you. That's the God you serve. That's why Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for your marriage, who can be against it? If God is for your family, who can be against it? Would you stand with me? Listen, I... What separates a dreamer from a doer is action. Is action. How many dreams has the Lord placed in your heart that you have not done? How many moments where he's asked you to minister to somebody have you walked away from? The enemy would like you to think that that disqualified you from the future. But no, God, he gives second chances. And he gives third chances and 20th chances and he gives lifetime chances because God's work is never done until he says it is 
As our prayer team makes their way down front, I'm going to challenge you with this one question, and I mean it. What giant has you standing in fear of what could happen instead of fighting with faith for what God promised will happen? I believe, and the scripture doesn't say it, but I believe that David, because he was a worshiper, he spent time with the Father. There's nothing more important than your time in the Word and your time in prayer. And I believe the Lord spoke to him that he would not only anoint him to be king, which was clearly evident, but that God would protect him because God has made those same promises over you and over me that though they be against you, God is for you. And if God is in your corner, there is nothing that can stop him, that can stop what he wants. To, there is, there, you can't even stop what God wants to do. And I can't help but think of what could be in this house if we would all do what we know God has asked us to do. If we would slay that giant of depression, if we'd slay that giant of pride, if we'd slay the giant of insecurity that's making us think that we're above our station by serving at a low level. So I'm going to leave this up here, and I just want you to take a moment, think on it, and ask yourself this question, what am I running from? What giant has me standing in fear of what could happen? Instead of fighting with faith, with God, for what God promised will happen in my life.